Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the Rational Hour with Ryan, where we talk sports. I have a very special guest in the building, Mr. Mike Meltzer. How are you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing well tonight. How are you? Great, great, man. One day at a time, man. Uh, we're in February now, man. It's it's Super Bowl week. Uh, it's a lot going on. But, um, Mike, give you give us a little insight as far as your day-to-day life. I know you work with ESPN Radio, Mad Dog Radio. Give our audience a little bit of backlog as far as your career. Sure. Uh, it's it's more complicated than than most. Uh, went to Syracuse from the Northeast um, right now. And then I also went to law school while doing a show in Houston uh, from 2015 to 2019. And so my day job, I'm actually working at a labor and employment firm in Houston, uh, but I still do a good bit of sports broadcasting, mainly through uh, Sirius XM. I fill in regularly on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and I also have my own podcast as well, the uh, very cleverly titled Mike Meltzer Podcast, where I do a couple of things. Um, it mostly focuses on sports law, but we also delve into some other topics as well. Nice, nice. I, I follow your work, man. You do a really good job. One of your podcasts I was listening to, it hasn't uh, had a show in about a year, but you cover a lot of just the parameters as far as the red tape of what you know teams can do as far as the ins and outs, as far as the bylaws of the sport. It's very interesting. I like it a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, Mike, it's, it's Super Bowl week, like I mentioned. Super Bowl 55, February 7th, CBS 330. Kansas City Chiefs 14 and 2 versus the 11 and 5 Tampa Bay Bucks. Mahomes versus Brady. Bucks, you know, uh, bounce back, man. They they were struggling for a while. The Chiefs are coming in at back-to-back Super Bowls. What does Tampa Bay have to do to win this game, in your opinion? Do they have a chance, or is Kansas City just a, a race car that's just going to keep going? No, I think I think the Bucks have a good shot. I really do. Uh, they've clearly turned it on in the postseason. I think the the injury to Eric Fisher, the Chiefs left tackle, is a big deal. And I actually think the formula to win for the Bucks is pretty simple. It may not be easy, but it's simple. You get some Mahomes. I mean, you take advantage of the Chiefs playing, you know, f- you know, a, a weird offensive line combination, four different starters up front. They get some Mahomes with Shaq Barrett, with Jason Pierre Paul. They make his life hell for four quarters, and Tom Brady and their and their offense plays well enough against KC's defense, and that's how they, they're able to win. So I actually think the, the way that the Bucks can win is pretty simple. Well, these two teams met November 29th. It was it ended up being close in the end, but the Chiefs jumped out early. Yep. Ended up the final score was 27 to 24 Chiefs. Mahomes had an incredible day. 
462 yards, three TDs. Tariq Hill was just having just a career day, 13 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Now, it's one funny stat, Mike, that I, I read. It's just really interesting. But five out of the last seven Super Bowl rematches were won by the regular season loser. Now, do you think this will be how different from the matchup that just happened in November? How much different is Tampa Bay compared to the team that they were seeing today, uh, this weekend? Well, uh, when you look at it, I, I think the uh, do I think the game is going to be different? I, I think Tampa's playing a lot better than they were uh, back in early November. I, I think that that's the big thing. I think Brady is playing at a higher level overall. Um, that game's a tricky one to analyze in the sense that it was 27-24, but as you kind of indicated, I, I think it was really it, it was really not quite as close as the final score indicated. There was a huge drop. I want to say Mecole Hardman had it in the second half that really allowed Tampa to kind of like put the halts on Kansas City and make it a lot closer than it had to be uh, at the end. But you look at that game, and the fear from a Tampa standpoint is Mahomes was terrific. He threw for 462 yards, three touchdowns, and Tyreek Hill just eviscerated them. I mean, he had 269 <laughs> receiving yards and three touchdowns. Ridiculous. I, you know, he is so fast, Mike. I mean, it's incredible yep. the speed this guy displays. Tyreek Hill is just zero to 60 real quick. Well, one interesting thing with Tariq is he's never slowed down. I mean, do you think he they, how much fear does he put into that Tampa Bay defense? Well, I, I think a ton. But one thing that is especially impressive, Ryan, about Tyreek Hill is that it's one thing to be really fast and to scare defenses down the field. What I really like about the way Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy use him is they put a lot of pressure on defenses at the line of scrimmage. And so one of the things they do on, on those key third and fourth downs, and you saw that to close out the divisional round against Cleveland, is they use Tyreek Hill's speed to really threaten the defense in the first five yards, like within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage. And I haven't seen too many offenses use speed in quite that same way to be able to, like, to pick up these really key but short conversions over the course of the game. Yeah, they really utilize him so well. I mean, he could take a seven-yard slant, you know, 50 yards. You know, that his his open field speed is elite like no other we've seen. I mean, it's it's just unprecedented the way you see him catch the ball and take off. I, I've never seen anyone quite like him. It's just an unusual weapon ever in the league in history. Yeah, I agree. Now, I, I totally agree. Now, with the defense of the Chiefs, can they slow down Brady in that offense? You mentioned that they are turning the corner. They beat the Saints. They beat the Packers. Two very high-power teams. One interesting note, Steve Spagnuolo was defensive coordinator way back in Super Bowl 42, 13 years ago. He's 3-2 thir- he's and two versus Brady. How much of a factor will his experience be as defensive coordinator for the Chiefs against Tom? Uh, I don't think experience is, is necessarily going to win it for him. It's just that what helps is that you know Steve Spagnuolo has been a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator twice. And so I think what you take from that is that he's not going to shy away from the big moments. You know, he's going to be able to put together a game plan that will be ideal for his defense. And I've been a little bit skeptical of the Chiefs defense at times, but 
they seem to come up with like the critical plays and in, in the advanced stats in the playoffs, I think they've been the best defense, which you really like heading into this one. And, and I think really between Frank Clark, Chris Jones, especially and Tyron Matthew, like they have a couple of elites or pretty close to it players that are able to take over games or just make big plays in key situations. What worries me about Kansas City is you have to cover a lot of different weapons for Tampa, right? It's Chris Godwin. Mike Evans, it is Scotty Miller who we saw, it's Gronk, Cam Bray. So Brady's going to spread the ball around a lot, which I think enables him to then find a weak spot in Casey's defense. And so really in that matchup, I think it's really as, as simple as what happens on third down? What happens in the key fourth downs that Tampa might have to go for? Because you look at the NFC Championship game and how were the Bucks able to score those points in the first half? It was third downs. Like, it was continually hitting those third downs, especially on those first couple of possessions for Brady. Now, you mentioned those weapons that he has with Godwin and Mike Evans and, and Brown. With the game being uh, at where now it's standing at a 56 over and under, well, you think this game comes down to being high scoring or low scoring? Is this going to be a shootout or is the defense show up on both ends? I would say more of a high scoring game. And I base that on a couple of reasons. One is, and this I think is a really big stat going in. Uh, Andy Reid's always been excellent as a head coach coming off of a bye. That goes back to his time in Philly. Like he was always known for that. That's only continued in Kansas City. And Mahomes and Reed together coming off of a bye or at least with two weeks of repair, I think they're averaging like 35, 38 points a game. There's no reason to think that Kansas City's not going to score uh, in this game, especially the way, the way they played against Buffalo's defense that really controlled the Ravens the week before, right? So I expect Kansas City to score. I expect Tampa to score against the Chiefs defense that you can move the ball down the field. Tampa's got a lot of weapons. So, yes, I would expect a higher scoring game. I would be surprised if it's lower scoring. How much of a factor will the Chiefs' injuries on their offensive line be? Uh, they, they Their center's out, uh, Fisher's out. The, the Bucks have some really good edge rushers. And Pierre Paul, you know, they got Sue. Will that be a big factor? I know Mahomes is so good on the run, and he's had a little bit of a banged-up uh, foot and ankle injury. How much of a factor would that be with the injuries along the offensive line for the Chiefs? I think it's a huge factor. I, I think it's it's such a big deal that if the Bucks win this game, that's going to be pointed to as one of the big factors. Like, I cannot envision a scenario in which the Chiefs' offense plays really well and the Chiefs somehow lose the game. Like, that would really surprise me. There are other things that need to happen. Like, I think Brady's got to play pretty well. They'll have to run the football Tampa will with Ronald Jones and also Leonard Fournette. There are a lot of different things. Maybe you get a special teams turnover. Who knows? I mean, Buffalo was able to and still couldn't really help them enough. Um, but it really starts with the offensive line of Kansas City. And to use a parallel from the NFC Championship game, remember, the Packers lost their star left tackle, David Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari, late in the regular season. And they were able to survive it for a while up until they played Tampa. And I think watching that title game, it was pretty clear they missed David Bakhtiari a lot. Well, now Kansas City, same thing. Star left tackle. Now, Eric Fisher is not as good as David Bakhtiari, I'd say, but still a star left tackle, former number, number overall pick. He will not be there. That is a big deal coming into this game.
Yeah, they, David Kilgore is out at center. That's I think he's a, a, another decent player for them that's out. Um, they're saying Bell is kind of banged up. They, they'll have their no, one-two punch with uh, Williams and Edwards Hilaire at running back. They, uh, Robinson, Demarcus Robinson is out. You know, they, he's so good with uh, when it comes to Mahomes scrambling, extending plays. With both teams, is there any player that you feel as far as an X factor that no one's talking about that can be an impact player on Sunday? That's a good question. Who do I think is a is an X factor in the game? Okay, let me let me just start with Kansas City. Um, X factors to me offensively would be Daryl Williams. I think he's running the football a lot better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been recently. Maybe that's that's because Edwards-Alaire has been banged up. All I'm saying is when I watch when I see 31, I feel like man, that guy's got some juice. So I like him from an offensive standpoint. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, I'm going to go with Legereus Sneed, who was a the guy they picked up in the fourth round, a cornerback. And these cornerbacks are going to be tested. I don't know who he's going to play. I don't know if it's going to be Mike Evans or Godwin or Antonio Brown, if he plays in the game, Scotty Miller. But either way, if Legereus Sneed plays well and takes away one of those options, and better yet for Kansas City, if he makes a play, I would say him from an X-Factor standpoint. So, that's two for me for Kansas City. Daryl Williams at running back, and then defensively, Legereus Sneed. Let me go to Tampa. All right, let me start uh, defensively. So they're going to get Antoine Woodfield Jr. back on Sunday. I'm pretty confident of that. And he's always struck me as an X-factor sort of player. He always forced a lot of turnovers at the University of uh, at the University of Minnesota. I think him being out in the NFC title game really affected them. And having him back in this game is going to be a big deal. So in a in a hypothetical Bucks win, I could see Winfield forcing a big fumble, making a key interception of Mahomes, uh, something along those lines. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically where I'd go. So Daryl Williams, Legereus Sneed, Antoine Winfield Jr. for Tampa. One thing, Mike, that surprised me is that I thought this was a huge addition, but Le'Veon Bell got picked up by the Chiefs uh, in, in November, uh, and he has really been a non-factor. Are you as surprised as me that he hasn't been a presence on the I am not. He's, he's not good at football, and he hasn't been good at football in a year and a half, two years, I'm not sure. I think everybody looked at it, and they're like, oh, well, Adam Gates is so terrible that Le'Veon Bell is going to be able to, Kansas, to go to Kansas City and do something. And I'm like, listen, you can say whatever it is you want about Adam Gase, who was a terrible head coach. Adam Gase was right about Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase never wanted the Jets to side Le'Veon Bell. That was a front office move. Uh, he was not a fan of paying a running back that much money. You know, Twitter seemed to accuse Gase of like somehow conspiring against Bell. No, he's just not that good. <laughs> and he gets banged up. And that's been the case in Kansas City. Like, listen, he has some ability in that, you know, he's still a professional running back. And and I think Le'Veon still has the ability to like break an extra tackle or two. He's still got that vision. Uh, he can make some plays in the receiving game. Uh, but compared to Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like he is a distant third when it comes to options. So no uh, is my long answer to your question. I am not surprised that Bell has done very little in Kansas City. Brady versus Mahomes. Your prediction as far as who you think plays better as far as overall game statistics, if you were to Well, I think it has to be Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> the guy has gotten off to, you know, maybe the best start a quarterback has ever had, uh, period, like in the NFL. And Brady obviously won the three Super Bowls early, but he wasn't really quite Brady. The difference for Kansas City has been before Mahomes, 
And then once he stepped in, he's been, what? The MVP of the league, then a Super Bowl winner, a Super Bowl MVP. And then this year, he's going to finish second in MVP voting and could win the Super Bowl. And while Tom Brady, I think, has been playing pretty well for Tampa, I did think during the middle of the season when he was throwing those picks and the the communication seemed to be a little, a little bit off, I thought the national media was being a little bit too critical of Brady. But, you know, Brady is not what he was, you know, three years ago, five years ago. And so if you're asking me, like, you know, who's going to play better, you can tell me any quarterback in Mahomes, and I'm going to pick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, Mahomes is just... I mean, Rodgers had a hell of a year. I think he's MVP. Mahomes is right there with them, along with Allen from Buffalo. I think those three guys were just the top players as far as the quarterback play this year. But Mahomes is just so good, man. He he has this this unique ability to yep. extend plays, and he has uh, this his delivery. He can go underneath. He can do this little sidearm twitch, and you know he does this little gimpy jog. It makes it look like he's hurt or something, <laughs> but he just knows how to kick guys the ball, man, and. And it doesn't hurt that he has probably the two most dynamic players on offense with Kelsey and Hill. I mean, those two guys are just elite. Uh, the numbers that Travis is putting up at tight end is just incredible, man. The guy is just one of the best. He's arguably right now, uh, in my opinion, a top three tight end of all time, just based off his first you know couple years in the league. I mean, the guy is just that good. Oh, when yes, you, when I you, agree with you. No, yeah, when you look at the game, Mike, um, as far as the minus three in, in the overall game, uh, what would you say as far as your bet? I would actually, and we'll see how I feel on Sunday. I'll, I'll be on Mad Dog Radio from 2 to 4.30 Central leading up to the game. And sometimes with these, you have to kind of wait to see how you feel like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I'm getting real like 2015 Broncos vibes with this Tampa team, a team that has turned it on late in the season an Asian quarterback. Granted, Brady's not playing like Peyton was that year. <laughs> if he was, I don't think there'd, there'd be a chance for uh, the Bucks to win this game. And they seem to have like a kind of, maybe not a magic, but they've really turned it on. Their secondary, I think, is, is has gotten better. And I just kind of have a feeling about the Bucks in this game. I, that's just my, my sense of it right now. Um, like, it's hard to pick against the chiefs because they have an, uh, an excellent coach. They have the best quarterback. And so, you know, if my, if my life is in the line, you probably go with Kansas city because it's the safest option, but I have a feeling that this Tampa team might win like the Brady magic, uh, their defense, turning it up. The fact that Kansas city has a super banged up offensive line, the fact that they can get after it with Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre, Paul, I just right now have a funny feeling about Tampa heading into this game on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I just, it's one of those things, you know, it, both these teams are, are very, very talented teams. And Tampa Bay is so hot. They're riding a wave right now. And the Chiefs have just been hot for two years. So which one will come to an end? I mean, which train collides and, and which one yeah. gets knocked off and the track? Now, as, as far as far as the coaching staff, that's one thing that I wanted to, to discuss with you as far as we talked about Spagnolia and, and Andy Reid, and then we also got Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, 68. Uh, Andy Reid, 62. Combined, this is the the largest, uh, the oldest two coaches ever in Super Bowl history. I think the oldest coach to win a Super Bowl is Belichick at 66 years old. Uh, as far as staff, who do you feel has the advantage? Well, I would go with, Kan with Kansas City because... 
you know, Andy's won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's got the better quarterback. He's got an elite arsenal offensively. Steve Spagnuolo's won a Super Bowl twice as a defensive coordinator, as we discussed. Uh, but that's not really a knock on Tampa's coaching staff. It's just more if I had to pick between them. Bruce has been a good head coach. It's kind of interesting. Like, he started off so well in Arizona. Then things kind of faded as Carson Palmer diminished, and then he stepped away a couple of years ago. Weren't sure if he was going to come back. You know, he did. And Bruce has been, you know, one of these guys who it's clear the NFL passed over too often before he got his chance when Chuck Pagano got cancer back in 2012. They have an excellent defensive coordinator, the Bucks do, in Todd Bowles, who did a who's done a really good job over the course of his career. And that's another thing. Like, if Tampa wins this game, you'll be hearing a lot about what Todd Bowles' game plan was against Patrick Mahomes. We certainly know it's got to be more effective than the one that they had back in November. So, as you expect, with any Super Bowl, you have two really good coaching staffs, but you would have to give the edge to Kansas City because they won this thing last year. Yeah, Todd Bowles just has done a phenomenal job. You know, coming up with game plans for Aaron Rodgers and Breeze, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job as far as the chess pieces in place for his defense, despite the injuries that he's had. And his defense took their lumps, and he seems to be getting them back on track. Winfield will be a key guy, like you mentioned. I, I think he's a really good, really good corner. They got Davis. I love uh, their overall defensive units, uh, just Shaq Barrett and Pierre Paul. Dom they're just they're they're really good. They're talented. And uh I think that'll be the real talk about X Factor is Tampa Bay's defense. If they can somehow what we talked about earlier with Tampa with the Kansas City's offensive line being a little banged up, if they can get pressure and and, and cause havoc for, for Mahomes and you know and, and get to him, that'll be the key for them to win the game. But overall, I just think Kansas City's just too strong. I'm I'm gonna I think this is one of those passing of the torch type games where I think Brady just kind of does a good job, but it's not enough. And Mahomes wins back-to-back Super Bowls. Andy Reid solidifies himself as one of the greatest yep. coaches of all time. That, do you feel uh, the same way as far as the outcome of the game? I know you said you want to wait till Sunday exactly, but right now you would probably leave. Uh, I'm in a weird place where like my head says Kansas City, yet my emotional feeling is like I feel like Tampa might actually win this game. I think it's interesting because this is a game that's going to be remembered historically. Like, I don't know how many Super Bowls Patrick Mahomes is going to win, but it's very clear that unless he gets hurt, he's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like, it's going to be really hard for that not to happen. And it's a super hard category to break into, but it's going to happen when you look at his career. Like, I mean, this guy is basically like, I I don't know what he would be missing in a quarterback, (laughs) like period. And... You know, and you're, so you're chasing these six Super Bowls. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, Brady has won so many Super Bowls that I think it's unfair for other quarterbacks to say, like, you have to win six, right? Like, it's so brutally difficult to win one or two or even three Super Bowls that, like, how do you ask anybody to win six? But it's unique in that he has the chance, Mahomes does, to cap Brady at six, get his second, be a third of the way there with Andy Reid, at least for the next couple seasons, just to kind of make it interesting. But, like, if the Bucks win, then it's Brady 7, Mahomes 1, and regardless of how Mahomes' career is going to be, he's probably not going to win six more Super Bowls. 
Yeah, that's very hard to beat. I, you know, that's a huge debate amongst a lot of my friends. Just always was a Montana guy, but now if Brady wins another one, I gotta give it to him. I mean, that's just elite, elite, elite territory. I just think, uh, you know, Joe Cool was just. I don't know if it's just my era. I just think that the, the teams were a little bit better when he played, but Belichick, I felt, was a big part of uh, Brady's success. But he now, he, I mean, you can't argue Yeah, at all. and I, I think there are a couple of distinctions that you can make with quarterbacks. Like, for me, Brady is the most accomplished quarterback of all time because of the Super Bowls, all the appearances in the conference championship game. For me, the most talented passer I've ever seen, the most talented thrower, is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and that's a distinction. The greatest regular season quarterback I have ever seen is Peyton Manning, who to me is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. And I, I, don't, I don't say that as like a as like a negative. I, I say that in as in it is the best way to encapsulate Peyton Manning as a quarterback that every year for like 15 years, you knew you were going to see Peyton Manning play absolutely great. It's the best way to sort of define him as a player. And, you know, Montana's before my time. Um, and then you go back like Otto Graham, Unitas, guys like that, obviously way before my time, Art Star, et cetera. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so many guys you could go back. And Elway was really one of the best, too. I feel he doesn't get a lot of recognition as far as the greatest, but he was one of my favorite quarterbacks. Um, now, before uh, this this weekend came, the news came down with Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford getting traded. What were your impressions of that trade uh, as far as how much the Rams gave up for Stafford? And what did you think of the, the trade? Were you shocked or what was your overall uh, estimation? As far I was as the trade not value they shocked. Um, I was surprised it was the Rams and not the 49ers or the Colts, who I thought were the most natural landing spots for Matt Stafford. But I didn't know how desperate the Rams were going to be to get rid of Goff and specifically his contract. The Rams gave up a lot. I still like the deal for them. To me, if they don't win the Super Bowl the next two years or three years, it's going to be a failed trade ultimately because they got to a Super Bowl with Goff. They didn't win it with him. And so I think that's what the standard has to be. It's always scary to give up future first-round picks, even if you're thinking like, well, we're going to be pretty good. The picks are going to be in the 20s. Like, you don't know that, especially when the picks that you give up in 2022 and 2023, like, you don't know what those slots are going to be. It's one thing if you had a first-round pick this year, and at least you knew, like, half of it, right? Um, go ask the Texans. Like, they gave up two first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil. One was, like, the 19th pick. The other was the third pick in the draft. And so there's a real concern uh, because you can't predict what the future holds. So I was not surprised by the timing of the deal. I was surprised it was the Rams. I like the deal for them because Matt Stafford is a significant upgrade to me over Jared Goff. And frankly, Ryan, I don't know what their plan B would have been if it wasn't Matt Stafford. Like, I don't know who they could have gotten if not for him. Hmm. Yeah, I was really shocked, Mike, just because the the I don't know how much of an upgrade it is from Stafford to to from golf you know i i didn't you know i like stafford a lot but he has a lot of injuries that concern me i think believe he's going on 33 years old and i think golf was getting better I, I, when you look at the game against the packers i don't really put that much on him i thought he actually i, I agree yeah respectable it wasn't the greatest performance yeah so i, I you know i i just wonder with mcveigh as far as his you know he gave up on Gurley. he gave a lot of money to brandon crooks 
and now he's getting ready to go off. So it, it, this, I think, goes back to him a lot. If this doesn't sure. work, sure. I just, great? it's also curious though. Like it's, it's not as though it, it makes it look really bad. If let's say Matt Stafford doesn't get the job done, Jared Goff is somehow good with Detroit or somebody else. I think that second half of the equation is probably super unlikely. Um, I mean, he gave up on Todd Gurley, but that's because Todd Gurley got hurt. And that's because he didn't have any knees anymore. Like, otherwise, it's not like a coach is going to give up on a running back. Like, there's nothing to really give up on. When it comes to Goff, I I think the criticism is obvious, which is why did these guys feel like it was a good idea to give him that contract two years ago, especially coming off of, even though it's one game, a really bad performance in the Super Bowl. Uh, That's on them, and I think that's on Sean McVay. And I don't think it was so much about the Green Bay game because I think he clearly played pretty well. He played with a lot of heart in the two playoff games. But you got the feeling late in the year that, frankly, Sean McVay preferred John Wolford to Jared Goff. I mean, he he almost said as much. And I think once you get to that stage, you kind of know what – is going to be happening at quarterback. I just didn't know that they would have the guts to get out of that contract, especially the way they did. Right. That's the thing, you know, and I didn't think it was, it's kind of seemed a little bit desperate in a way, you know, but the McVeigh saying win now, basically that this is it. And uh, they want to make sure that defense and that, that unit, they gave up a lot for Ramsey and now they're, they're doing the same with uh, getting Stafford. So, I don't think the Rams have yes, a first round pick. That is true. I think to come. They'll pick the they'll pick in the first now, round in twenty twenty four right now, as scheduled. Oh wow. Jeez. Now the Texans hired uh, David Cully. There's a lot of rumors going around as far as Watson. They're saying he's staying, and Texans saying he's not going anywhere. Do you see anything happening? Uh, I know you're down in that market. Do you see Houston making a trade? I mean, looking at what the Rams got for golf, I mean, imagine what the Texans... Yeah, I actually Watson, don't think the Stafford right? deal has much to do with the Watson compensation in that, you know, if the Texans do trade Deshaun Watson, they're obviously going to get a ton. I don't think anybody doubts that. The Stafford deal is kind of broken up into two parts. One is, I think the Rams gave up a one and a three to get Matt Stafford. Then I think they give up an extra one to get rid of Jared Goff. And so the compensation gets a little bit complicated because Goff, I think, was like a net value, a, a negative value player at this stage when you look at his play compared to his contract. Uh, I do not know what the Texans are going to do. I think that they are going to be locked into a, a sort of a, a quiet war against Deshaun Watson. I mean, now it's not really a war on there because they obviously want him to come back and, and come into the fold. But... I do not expect them, if they do it, to trade him for a while. And the big thing to me is the date of the NFL draft, right? Because if you're trading Watson for largely draft picks, you want to know what those picks are going to be. The Texans clearly would get multiple first-round picks for Deshaun and probably more than that. And so you you know at least with some of those picks, you don't know where they're going to be. But at least this year, you know where they're going to be. So you know the Jets are at two. You know the Dolphins are at three. You know Carolina's at eight. You know all these things. You're not going to know that if you move past the draft. And the other part is, while Watson is a super valuable player, of course, you know, as these teams draft quarterbacks, so for instance, you know, Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville, obviously, um, whoever the Jets select, um, Miami, I'm not so sure about, but like if Carolina drafts Trey Lance 
whoever takes Zach Wilson. I mean, maybe you could argue in June or July, they'd be willing to trade them for Watson at that point. But there is the dynamic, Ryan, that like once you move past the draft, not only would you not know the picks you're getting for Watson, at least that first year, it's also that you will have had about four or five teams invest a lot in the quarterback and probably figure, okay, well, we've cast our lot with Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, and now this is where we're going to go. And so it could shrink the trade market a little bit after the draft. Right. Uh, and that's the whole thing. I mean, you got to get a return on your investment. And it's a, such a, a, I mean, Watson, do you feel he's a transition? Yes. I think Deshaun is Watson is one. Yeah, I think he's one of the four best quarterbacks 100%. in the league. It's him, Mahomes, Wilson, uh, him, Mahomes, Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Like those are the four that are, to me, a cut above, above Josh Allen, above anybody else. And the way I put it, there seems to be a lot of pushback on Twitter about the price. Like John McClain of the Houston Chronicle tweeted on Sunday morning that if the Texans were to trade him, they'd be looking at a package around two first round picks, two second round picks and two young defensive starters. And some people were balking at it and they're like, well, this seems like a lot. I'm like, listen, uh, Jamal Adams went for two first round picks. Khalil Mack went for two first round picks. The only difference between those packages and that one is two second round picks and two players. If you're trading for Deshaun Watson, you will win the Super Bowl. I am 100% convinced. I'm not saying this year. I'm saying over the course of the next 5, 8, 10, 12 years. So however you think, however much you think a Super Bowl is worth, like that to me is the price tag. Because when you're trading for this player, I absolutely believe that Deshaun Watson will one day win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the thing. What the franchises are willing to give up. I've seen so many posts on Twitter Social media, just Nick Bosa for Watson and a first-round pick. Yesterday, Callan Cowherd put on his Twitter, uh, the Raiders should yep. trade Derek Carr and, uh, and Waller and three first-round picks for Watson. I just thought that was a little bit much for Carr and Waller and three first-round picks. But, I mean, it's just what you're willing to do. I mean, Gruden and uh, Mayock have all the control. Yes. Mark Davis is letting them pretty much run the show. Now, before we let you go, Mike, uh, I just want to get your opinion. We, we mentioned that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are doing a great job. Why is it Bieniemy does not get a head coaching job? I mean, a lot of Reid's Doug disciples, uh, yep. Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, all these guys, uh, Frank Wright, have been getting jobs under his tree. What are you hearing as far as, I know I've heard he's a bad interviewer. Yep. He wanted too much control in Houston. What I mean, do you I think, think? And what is why is yeah, this? Yeah, I think it's on? a couple of things. I, Ryan, I've so heard the, the exact two things that you mentioned. You know what he's like is an, in an interview, which I don't think really matters. Uh, and then two, like how much control he wants, which I think is really franchise specific as far as how they want to run things. Obviously, I think race is a factor. I think <laughs> we'd be idiots if we didn't if we didn't believe that. Um, clearly, black coaches have gotten the short end of the stick in the NFL recently. It's a really bad problem. It's a bad thing that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten hired, uh, and it's a particular problem for African American head coaches on the offensive side of the football, as the coach hirings tend to go in that direction. Um, having said that, if I had to like guesstimate on this, I would say there might be some concern about okay. How do we determine what the actual impact of Eric Bieniemy is as a coach? Because he has the best quarterback, and Andy Reid is a great offensive coach. And I think Andy Reid calls the plays. Sometimes, like there are conflicting reports about exactly how that is 
that is like. I, I think in the AFC Championship game, it was mentioned in the broadcast that the enemy draws up all their red zone plays, which are super effective. But the substantive guesstimation on why the enemy doesn't have a head coaching job is people might look at that situation and say, well, is he really the offensive coordinator? Is he really calling plays? And how much of the Chiefs' offensive success has to do with Eric Bieniemy specifically? I, you know, all those things I've heard, you know, Mike, and I think it's 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 been a big issue. I'm surprised. That's all. I just really, I thought the Chargers was a perfect fit for him. He knows the division, and he's from California. I just thought everything lined up for him, but they end up going uh, with the Rams to yeah. support him for the job. I think he's a good coach. A little early. But, I, you know, he had a great year with the Rams defense, best in the league. So, I, I you know, I, I just was wondering what you were hearing as far as, you know, in Houston. Uh, I know that they went with Cully over him or I thought he would get the Houston job. I thought they were waiting for the season or if they got it. I don't. From what I've heard, I don't think they over, were hiring the enemy. No. Um, I think they wanted to. I, I think um, they I think Nick Casario, the GM, was interested in interviewing him. I think part of it was an olive branch to Deshaun Watson. Um, I have heard the same things you've heard about. Maybe the enemy wanted a little more, more control. And uh, the David Cully hire is so bizarre because, like, it's completely out of nowhere. I'd never heard of the guy uh, before a month ago, and I consider myself, like, I mean, I've covered the NFL. I've been a fan of the NFL for a long time. I'd literally <laughs> never heard of the dude. And it just makes me wonder if the Texans are like, hey, listen, you know, we're going to hire a head coach because we know we're going to be bad for a couple of years. But he is a uh, a guy everybody likes who has a lot of energy, positive vibes. And so he can kind of like man the ship for the next couple of years as we rebuild. Yeah, I've heard that too, Mike. And I was like, they should have just yeah, Romeo. That, that's actually, that's actually said, not that's know? that's actually He's not a, a, a bad take at all. I mean, listen, I mean, Romeo's got a much better resume than David Cully does. There's no question about it. I think people are ready for like some kind of new head coach. But yeah, I, I don't think what you said just there is a crazy idea at all. <laughs> right. So well, you know, we'll see. I, I I appreciate you, Mike, you know, giving us your intake and, and dropping your knowledge to um the audience um can you yes. let the audience know where they can support absolutely and follow at you mike meltzer on twitter with an s not a z uh, you can listen to me on most weekends on mad dog sports radio on sirius xm at his channel 82 also subscribe to the mike meltzer podcast i haven't had an episode in a, in about two to three months but i will have more upcoming here uh shortly so the mike meltzer podcast and thank you ryan